This week on Prepping 2.0. The thought that comes to my mind is what was said to me a long time ago. With the liquor, it's quicker. Instead of water like you would a tea, pour over it at least an 80 proof liquor. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Normally, I'm joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. That is not the case today. It is just me. He is going to be out of town. And so I decided to take on the topic of medicinal herbs. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me, and maybe it's just because of algorithms, you know, going on. It's what people are talking about today. So we're going to be talking about some of the great plants you can put in your garden or find growing in a weed field, how to easily harvest them and use for a relief of common ailments. And Glenn and I have talked a lot about this this spring about gardening and growing your own food. Today, we're going to take that one step further and discuss growing medicinal herbs. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. Awkward. Want to give a wonderful shout out to one of our great and awesome sponsors, New Mana Foods. Talk about them all the time, and I cannot say enough wonderful things about them. If you have walked into a grocery store recently, and we've all done it where we say to ourselves, huh, can't seem to find that ingredient, can't seem to find it anywhere on the internet, it's sold out everywhere, including on the internet, huh. And then you wait a few months and then it shows back up again. And this is happening to stuff that you and I would find in our pantry. And Numana Foods is a great way to circumvent that problem and put those pantry safe, huge shelf life items away in your deep preps as well as to have them in your pantry. I encourage you to go check them out on our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates and you'll find them over there and probably find a good coupon code the top 100 things to disappear first in a collapse. It's based upon the Bosnian experience. And we are on number 20 this week, laundry supplies for manual use washboards and plungers. What are they talking about? They're talking about ways to wash your clothes that don't require electricity. And there's lots of gadgetry out there for doing this. And there's almost like what our grandparents, kind of a, a washing tub and you kind of put a little churning thing in it and churn it. Encourage you to find something like that because honestly, we need to be able to keep our clothes clean when electricity goes out because it'll keep things away like germs and things that can get you sick, which is gonna be a lot about what we talk about today. A reason of the week to be a Patreon. Hey, I am gonna lightning round kind of all of us and I'm gonna do a lightning round about our topic today. And here's what you missed if you are not a Patreon. What spice, according to Malaysian folklore, had the power to protect against crocodiles? Our hints there are Malaysian, so it's going to be kind of that South Pacific. Crocodiles, it's got to be some kind of pungent, and I don't believe it. I'm not going to smear myself with this herb and hope to live. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. So last summer, Glenn and I hosted a Patreon event at our home, and many Patreons came out from all over the country to visit us for a crazy fun weekend. Honestly, that's a good reason to become a Patreon. Keep in mind, when they came to our home, We had only lived in our home for a few months, and much of that was the winter. So what was so cool and kind of piqued my interest on this was two or three gals did a walk all over our property identifying amazing medicinal plants as well as plants that are toxic and that I should avoid. And I'm glad I know where they are and what they are. And I have used those notes that they took for me, and they then took me on the same walkthrough and helped me to look at my property in a whole different light. So what I wanted to do with you today is talk about one, I'm trying to boil down for you the simple things that you can do right now today to get some medicinal herbs in your garden 
or find them easy and quickly so that you have them on your shelf and dip your toes into the world of medicinal plants, which is all that I have done at this point. And I'm going to tell you what I have found and some things that I've done initially to get me started. So I have for you about 13 of the plants that I have or that I'm about to have because I have them in pots or I have them in seed form. By the way, can you tell I'm a little stuffed up right now and I might be trying one of these little tricks to help me out here. So the first one that I want to talk about is very common and it is on my property and it's kind of an invasive-ish plant. I'm not going to say it's like super invasive like we'll take off in a year but it kind of creeps along and keeps growing which is nice so the first one is yarrow yarrow is a very common common plant and you would use the flower and the seeds and dry it so let me stop right there as we talk about yarrow and yarrow is going to be my example there's probably about two dozen ways to make this into something that you can use medicinally number one is dry it and put it in hot water and make a tea Super simple. The hot water pulls out and extracts from the plant the good stuff. So that's a tea. And you hear that. Just make a tea out of it. Just put it in hot water and boil it in hot water or even just regular water and let it sit for a while. I would suggest it being warm-ish or a little bit on the hot side. For every plant, go look it up. For every plant that I am, go look it up. And, and double check all of these notes, especially those ones that I talk about that interest you. The other one is to make a tincture. You hear that term all the time in the herbal medicinal world. What the heck is a tincture, ladies and gentlemen? It is doing the same thing I just said. Take this plant, the usable parts of the plant, put it in a jar, and when <laughs> the thought that comes to my mind is um, what was said to me a long time ago, with a liquor, it's quicker. Pour over that instead of water like you would a tea, pour over it at least an 80 proof liquor. Vodka seems to be the one of choice that I hear out there. Everclear is another one. We in the Glenn and Shelby household will probably go with the vodka because it doesn't have sugar in it. And it's a very, very basic, semi-flavorless alcohol. You also want to be very careful and check with your doctor or whoever before giving that to children. Now, if you don't want the liquor, you can use a substitute, apple cider vinegar or a glycerin. And so go look up recipes to do this. I'll tell you how to do it. Liquor is the preferred method. I'm not going to lie. And when you take a tincture, you're going to take like a teaspoon, like every one to three hours instead of, you know, a half a, a, you know, when I think about the cold medicines that we take from the grocery store or the drugstore, it's like a little, you know, eighth of a cup, quarter of a cup, some, you know, because it comes with that lid. It's a very small amount because it's um, amplified and um, reduced down by the tincture. So in small, small children, drops, like a dropper or two of them. It's a very small amount, which is interesting. So when you make a tincture, you take your weed, you take your plant, you put it in a jar and you fill up the rest of it with your tincture method, whether it be alcohol, cider vinegar, whatever, and you shake it up and you let it sit like that for two to four to six weeks, depending on what recipe you're using. And you shake it every couple of days to keep it moving along. And then you strain out the herb and there's your tincture. If you've used alcohol, that will make it shelf safe generally for about a year. You can make a syrup out of it. That's a whole nother recipe I'm not going to get into by adding a honey or adding a sugar. Diabetics may not want to go for that necessarily. But I'm going to stick today to teas and tinctures. Tinctures are more appealing to me for those things that I want to keep shelf stable. Teas I'm interested in if I need to sit down and have relief from something. So going back to the yarrows. So yarrow is really cool because it kind of is a no fussy plant. You plant and it kind of just keeps coming back. I believe I could be wrong. Check me on this. It is a member of the mint family, which is kind of that creeping along. It keeps kind of sending up new shoots. What you want to use from the plant are leaves and the flower. 
the other thing that's cool about is the dried leaves make a good blood stop. So you want to grind it, dry it, grind it. And then if for some reason you have some pretty serious bleeding, like I just did a major cut on my finger recently, and you can see that on social media, had a hard time getting that to stop. Had I had dried yarrow around, I would have just sprinkled it on the wound, shaken off the excess and waited. It is an antimicrobial and it has pain relief in that blood stopping mechanism. Um, you can use it also for the same reasons and your livestock. Like if you have an animal that has a cut or an abrasion, you can use it that way too. If you are pregnant, you should avoid it. It's not good for you. And it's just a really good skin remedy. Good to keep around for that. The other cool thing about this one and so many of the other ones I'm going to be talking about today is that they're great pollinators. So there's kind of this cross use that many of these plants are good for, which is amazing. So I wanted to give an awesome shout out to our amazing sponsors, and you can find them all on our website. If you can check them out over there, you can find EMP Shield. You can find Minuteman Coffee, which is what's powering me today, of course. And you can also find, I just talked about a new man of food. You can find Katie Armor. Come and take it armor. Armor for you and I, not just the military and first responders. There's also Backwoods Home Magazine, latest publication just came out, as well as Survival Garden Seeds. By the way, I encourage you to check them out. You will find that they have a medicinal herb collection. Unfortunately, our coupon code doesn't work on that. But if, as you're listening to this, if you hear some of their awesome plants, I encourage you to check them out there. As always, you can check out all of our amazing sponsors at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates and they're all listed there. You can link right to them and you can also find coupon codes. So let's go on to our next plant. Kind of excited. This one we've heard a lot about. You can buy it easily. Echinacea. It's also known as coneflower. And uh, there's here's the thing about it. There's a couple of different cultivars. And a cultivar basically is a variety. Uh, purpurea is the most common. It's got, there's always the two names. There's the species and the genome. Purpurea is the most common. You're looking, you actually want the augustifolia, which is the best. What really works the best, has the most potency in the part of the plant is the roots and the leaves, roots first. And they are a perennial, which means they come back every year. And the best time, once you've planted them, you want to kind of wait until the second year. Um, and then I know some of the resources I looked at said, basically, as they're growing, they have their flower, take the flower, as it's dying off, take the leaf, and then yank up the roots. Um, you can do it however you want, but the roots are definitely the most potent part of the plant. So you're going to pull that baby up. Um, leave some behind so it comes back next year and you're going to dry the roots now this applies to all of the things I'm going to talk about when I say drying them what that means what does that mean you can hang them upside down like we all you know remember from things you know stories we've read about and seen in history you know little house on the prairie kind of things you can possibly dehydrate them in your oven there are also like drying racks you can also use your food dehydrator most of these herbs and things i'm going to be talking about today you want to stay about the 95 degree to 100 degree range and it's going to take a couple days maybe but dehydrate the roots and then you want to make a tincture out of them um, don't forget those flowers are also going to give you some seeds so hang on to those seeds and uh, what uh What's really cool about echinacea is several things. You can use the whole plant, stems, leaves, roots, the whole thing. Huge immune booster, but you don't want to use it daily. You want to use it when you're first starting, kind of like me right now. I'm starting to feel that cold coming on. I've got a little bit of a sore throat and um, it can, it's that antimicrobial, antiviral, anti-inflammation, immune booster, just beast of a thing um, that can really help you. And so you'll see it all, you know, that's why you see it in pill form on, sh on the shelf in the drugstore. You see it in teas, you see it all kinds of places. Um, but what, again, what's really cool is if you grow it, you can make this yourself. You've, you're pollinating your plants and you've got it on hand immediately. And so um, it is recommended to use that as a tincture. We just talked about that. Here's the other word that you're gonna hear a lot, a decoction. What is a decoction? Make a tea with your echinacea, 
put it in a pan on the stove and let it simmer for about 20 to 25 minutes till it reduces. So it reduces, it's a decoction that reduces. So it's more um, concentrated and it's, it's a reduced tea is basically what it is. And uh, it can uh, just really, really good for you. So the other thing is we're talking about this, what I'm hoping that you're hearing is that, ooh, what if I take echinacea, throw a handful of it in there, and then I throw in a handful of this and a handful of that. Yes, you can kind of make a really well-rounded uh, tincture or tea. And yes, there's 10,000 recipes to do just that out there on the internet, trust me. So here's another one that I wanted to bring up. And you don't hear it too much, although it's starting to, just when I do a look around, it's starting to get some attention. Um, it is called borage, B-O-R-A-G-E. And it is the be- most beautiful plant out there. And that's what it's really known for as a plant, but it's starting to get other attention. Let me talk about it. Um, first of all, a great pollinator plant because it has these beautiful flowers that just uh, totally attract all your pollinators. And it's a great partner plant. Plant it next to your tomatoes and other um, vegetables, and it can repel those nasty bugs and those nasty pests that get to your your plants um the flowers are edible and they are beautiful so you can really put together a really nice uh you know display of food and any extra you have left over give it to your chickens it's actually good for your chickens the other cool thing it's a great cover crop so if you're trying to enhance your soil what is a cover crop you grow it you harvest whatever you want on top, and then you kind of turn turn over those plants into the soil so that they compa- uh, compost back into the soil and they grow, they, they grow the nutrient balance of your soil, which is awesome. Um, what it's good for medicinally, as if all of that wasn't enough, we're talking about a pest control in your garden, pollinator, cover crop, uh, edible flowers, all of that. Okay, what else, what else is good? Well, um, make a poultice out of it with a poultice it's the same thing you take the flowers and the leaves and you dry it and you grind them up and you get it a little bit damp so you turn it into a paste and it's great for bites like bug bites rashes and it's a good partner with lavender which has a soothing effect and calendula and we'll talk about that one in here in just a a moment Uh, the tea that you can make from it is a great fever reducer stress reliever has a calming effect on you. Cough suppressant, which I should probably get some going here. And it makes a really nice flavored iced tea. So if you make a nice tea out of it and then kind of throw a couple of the flowers on top, you can have a kind of a nice little pretty, um, you know, looking iced tea in the summer. So that's borage. I'm going to be planting that here prob- probably not this year. I've got some other things going. I'll talk about that. But borage is is kind of a pretty one. I encourage you if you don't even if you haven't seen it, go look up some images of that on the internet. Super pretty, almost patriotic looking flower. It's blue with these like slightly red um, highlights to it and some white highlights. It's really pretty. So another one that we have actually used in the last few days um And I want to preface this with something to kind of be a warning is some of these, especially if you have hay fever type allergies, like um, I believe chamomile, don't take it. Ask your medical professional. By the way, I'm not a medical professional. I am just telling you all of these things is what I've learned on the internet. You are big boys and girls out there. You know how to take control of your own medicine and your own health. I'm just giving you information that I've learned. I This is not medical advice. So if you have extreme allergies, especially hay fever type ones, check with your doctor first before you try some of these. Speaking of such, the one, the next one I'm going to talk about, I do not recommend growing in your garden. Why? Because it already grows out there and uh, and everywhere else, and it's a nasty plant, and uh, it hurts when you touch it. But it has amazing, amazing um, medicinal benefits. We have a huge crop of it growing right off of our uh, driveway, and it is stinging nettles. And why are they called, if you've never experienced stinging nettles, which by the way, I never experienced growing up in, in uh, Colorado because it's too dry of a climate. Stinging nettles are really kind of like damp environments, um, shade. So I never got to experience that fun joy until I was an adult. And um, yuck. So if you, for those of you in dry climates, what are they? There's a little green plant. It doesn't look anything 
doesn't look super nasty. You just barely touch it. And the leaves have these microscopic looking, you have to look really close at them. I don't recommend getting that close. Um, little needles all over them. And if you touch it like like just a little bit of it, suddenly um, you feel this stinging sensation. Now, is it as bad as like poison ivy or anything like that? No, it feels like you've got a splinter in this patch of skin where you touched it or brushed against it. And it'll be there for a few days. And it's just kind of an irritant. And if, and especially what I, what, I, what I don't recommend you doing is they, you know, with very little clothing in, under a tree in the Pacific Northwest unless you know what you're laying on seriously because if you had that all over your body it would be awful two things that i have experienced that offset that first of all uh in the when i lived in oregon and washington ferns are generally close and nearby grab a fern crunch it up in your hands get kind of the 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 moisture the internal moisture from the fern going and rub it on the stinging nettle and i know what it is but there's some relief in that i just read this morning Another um, quick and fast um, relief to that is grabbing, I don't know if I want to do this, grab a leaf of it, which means you have to touch it, so I hope you have gloves, and chew on a leaf or two, and that will relieve that stinging. Don't know if I want to do that, because I don't want to put those stingers in my mouth. But let's go back to stinging nettle and why it's good. So put on a pair of gloves and um, take your tetanus shot, and if you um, are able to go out and really harvest the young, you know, once it's a, these can grow pretty tall. Like we're thinking a foot or two tall, the young, young leaves, all parts of the plants are, of this plant are beneficial. Put some um, gloves on. It is a, make that into a tea. So put it in a, a pot and throw some water on it. Um, let it sit for an hour or two. Great antihistamine for allergy sufferers. And this is a big deal in our household because Glenn is an allergy sufferer. That man takes an enormous amount of allergy medicine. So I tried it out on him yesterday and he definitely, we're still working on it, took a few less pills than he did, than he would normally. So we're going to keep working on that. It makes a great poultice for wounds. So I will say this, once you've cooked it and kind of beat it back a little bit, those thorns, those little spikes go away. Um, grind it up. Like I can see picking it, putting my dehydrator and we're good on that. Um, make a poultice for wounds. Um, and it's also, honestly, it's considered a superfood. A lot of people cook it and eat it like they would spinach. And I'll say this, when I put it in the tea, it once it kind of wilts down, it's not prickly anymore and it looks like spinach and I didn't taste it because I was too busy drinking the tea, but I could totally see how you could put that in a smoothie, put that in it like an egg dish or a quiche. Um, yeah, and you can use it as a tea, fresh or dried. So stinging nettle, and here's the thing, don't grow stinging nettle just for the sake of growing stinging nettle because that's, I think that's, <laughs> there's plenty of it out there. Now that goes to one point I wanna say, some of these things that I'm gonna talk about grow naturally out in weed fields or out on people's property or out in the wild. Don't go foraging or looking for these things unless you have permission to. And then if you do, don't take it all. Like take what you need and leave some so that, it, that the plant can propagate. If you go to a national forest or a state forest, I know for sure national forest, you cannot forage and you would need to check with local state regulations for foraging. But there's some, um, you know, great private, at least around here in Western Montana, I know a lot of people who have um, big swaths of property and you can ask them, hey, can I get, just go do kind of a little nature walk and see what you got going on. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, let's talk about, and I might need to do it on the other side of the break, how to identify these things. How did I know that I had stinging nettle besides touching the silly plants on my property? Get a plant identifying app on your phone as well as a foraging guide for your local area. The one that I use, and yes, I pay the money for it, but there's others you can get. And generally you'll have to pay for it because it's that's that's the world we live in. But uh, picture this. All you do is snap a photo of the plant and it'll tell you what it is. So, oh my gosh, we've only gone through a few of these plants and we have so much more to talk about. Don't go away on the other side of the break. More Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. 
Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E-U-S-A.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times, the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try, Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined not by my co-host on the show, co-host in life, but it's just me today. And we've been talking about growing medicine in your garden. And I'm going through some of the top plants that I've been looking at and considering either buying for my own garden to create a medicine garden or have found on my property that I will be harvesting and using. So I'm excited about this, the next one, and it's a very popular one right now, especially post-COVID days. The next one though is elderberries. And I have found out a lot about elderberries in the last year. When uh, my Patreon friends found that I have two very mature elderberry trees on my property, I got really excited. And sadly, I just missed when they were at the peak of their season. And I was able to harvest a few of them and put them in my freezer and they're still there. The reason why they're in, I'll talk about why they're in my freezer, but here's the key. 
I want to tell you about elderberry because elderberry is both very difficult to grow and very easy to grow. I'll go with the first one. Why is elderberry hard to grow? If you will go buy elderberry seeds, very difficult to start them from seeds. They are what are called a double stratified seed. It has to go through a very distinct winter period, the seed does, and then a very distinct warming period. And you can mimic that by doing that in your refrigerator and then starting them from seeds. And the problem though, even then, you're gonna be hit and miss on starting the plant because they are very dependent on pollinating. And the plant that comes from seed may not act like and look like the plant that you wanted and that the seed is. So there you go. There are four different cultivars that are very different of elderberry. I can't figure out, and you'll see why this is the case. There's two of them that are very decorative. And then there's two of them that have the berries that we want. One is black elderberry. The genus phylum is uh, Sambucus nigre, N-I-G-R-E, which, you know, means black. Nigre means black elderberry tree. The other one is Sambuca something else, red elderberry. It's the nigre one that you want. You want black elderberry. Those are the berries that produce the incredibly popular elderberry that we love these days. Here's the thing. When I take my picture, this app, and I zap different parts of my trees, I get red elderberry and sometimes I'll get the black elderberry. It'll identify it two different ways. And I think this is why. Let me tell you why. The reason being is because elderberry, while it is very, very difficult to start from seed, it is one of the easiest plants to propagate from cuttings. What is a cutting? You cut a branch off, you make sure there's a leaf or two on there and you stick it in water, boom. And there you go. You have an elderberry tree that is identical to what you just clipped off of a tree. I have the feeling my elderberry trees are confused. Like, I think it probably started from a seed that is confused. <laughs> so what I'm waiting for before I go all crazy and making all kinds of cuttings, I'm waiting for the berries to come. That'll come at about the end of August, beginning of September. And I'm going to do the plant identifying based upon the, the berries and go from there. So all that to be said, it's super easy. I cannot stress enough. If you have an elderberry tree, you can go out right now and you can take 10 cuttings off of that, stick it in dirt, make new plants and sell them for 20 bucks a piece. I am not kidding. And they grow pretty quickly. In the next two to three years, you will have berries and you can do it over and over and over again. I recommend you don't let them get as tall as mine, which are, gosh, in about in the uh, 30 foot range. And they've just been left to go for years and years. Encourage you to do that. Why? Because elderberries are amazing. They have clusters of berries and clusters of flowers, and that's where the good stuff is. Do not eat the leaves. Do not eat anything else. The flowers that come in spring that produce berries are very medicinal, and then the flowers that come at the end of summer are very medicinal. Huge, huge immune booster. It's considered a superfood. Attracts birds, and it's a major cultivar. Get the right cultivar for food or medicine. For food, you can absolutely use elderberries and substitute for other berries, and which is why you'll always find elderberry smoothies, elderberry this, elderberry that. There's some really great tinctures and syrups out there that you can make huge success with them during the cold and flu season. And totally encourage you to look some of those up. By the way, there's a couple of places that I've looked at and found a lot of good information for what I've been talking about. The first person is YouTube channel called Rain Country, great Christian woman, who is kind of like me. She's not an herbalist, she's not a doctor, she's just kind of like me where you're just kind of YouTubing it interneting it and finding good stuff out there. So um, she's got some great recipes and I'll talk about one of hers here in just a moment. But the other one is um, a lady who has written a book that is the gold standard for herbal medicine for anybody, for the beginner, for anything. And it is Rosemary Gladstar is the author. And what's interesting is all these books and websites that I've read, they always reference her. And it's herbal medicine for beginners. I've ordered the book. And so she has recipes in there. She has the whole nine yards. And I have a bunch of books too. I have a book that's just on elderberries. So I um, wanted to just throw that out there. Some of the great resources I've found out there. So jump in on it. So let's go on to our next wonderful little plant. And it's called lemon balm. Lemon balm is a member, and many of these are, of the mint family. 
So what does that mean? Most of these plants I'm talking about today, except for the weeds, I'm going to talk about several weeds. You might want to put them in pots because they can kind of take over your garden a little bit or put them all in a separate part of your garden so that you don't have mint taking over your tomatoes and and stuff like that. So lemon balm is a mint. So you harvest and dry the leaves, think your dehydrator, and it spreads like a mint. What it's really great for, really, really great for is insomnia, tension, depression, really good for as well infection and upper respiratory tract colds and flu symptoms helps with indigestion and stomach aches and it has a very similar action to it much like ibuprofen or aspirin so it's kind of that um, a little bit of a pain reliever make a little poultice out of it or a little paste out of it great for cold sores and just apply it right there on your cold sore. One person I read about said he had a pretty nasty cold sore that was kind of one of those hard to get rid of cold sores had been tested. And it's like, yeah, this is going to take me, got rid of it. And not only that, he then tested negative for the virus. Not for use if you have thyroid conditions or Hashimoto's disease. So definitely check with your doctor on that one. But so imagine if you take lemon balm, which has some of the great upper respiratory immune boosting um, sort of, not immune boosting, but just upper respiratory tract cold and flu symptoms. And you kind of partner that a little bit with some elderberry, make a tincture. Oh my gosh. See what I'm talking about? So lemon balm is really kind of a nice one to have on hand. And I see it more as a, as a partner to add to some other ones. Super easy to grow. And I see it all the time. And I see seeds for it all the time. So in all of these that I have found grow like crazy in like just about every environment, every like growing zones three to nine. So I'm not looking for those special plants that are super fussy that you have to bring in in the winter and keep in a sunny window and yeah, so here's another one, and I'm watching my time. Oh, good, we're going to get through a lot of these. I'm so excited. I have seen this one pronounced two different ways. Um, I'm going to say it one way, and um, just tomato, tomato. It's not a tomato or a tomato, but I'm just letting you know there's two different ways to say it. I'm going to say calendula. I've also seen it said calendula. So I always think of my friends who have been from Britain, and then I say the word garage, and they say garage. I, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to do this. Uh, so calendula looks, looks, has a very similar look to marigolds in a way. Um, they are, medi they're one of these other cool plants, much like barrage, that they're medicine and edible. So put them on your flower or put the flowers in your salad. Um, and they are big time pollinator. Again, just imagine if you have all of these growing around your regular garden and your regular fruit trees, how much better your yields are going to be. It's a great, um, just like barrage, a great companion plant, repels pests. Um, and when you pick the flowers, they need to be just right. They need to be just um just, you know, just at their great flowering stage, they also need to be dry. So don't pick them first thing in the morning when the dew is on them and when they're closed up and they have a bunch of moisture in them. Because you are going to dry these things and you don't want moisture trapped in the flower. So if they're overly mature, just let them go to seed and collect the seeds later. Um, and if as you pick them, if they're sticky, that's what you want because that resin is the good stuff. So let it, um, put it in a dehydrator for, like I said before, like 95 to 100 degrees, face down so that you have your little, you know, your, your little um, stem that's like right off the flower sticking straight up. And you want them bone dry. So two to four days. Makes a great tea, makes a great salve. Let me see. And I have, let's see if I have it, a whole list of all the good things. Calendula. Um, all the good things. I have a whole list here. Uh, uh, treat a huge array of skin conditions, including rashes, stings, burns, sunburn, swelling, eczema, acne, surgical wounds, scrapes, chickenpox, cold sores, and even genital, her genital herpes or sores. And you're starting to see that. Do you see how so many of these are antimicrobial, antibacterial? That they they fight against some of those things, which is great. It promotes cell repair and growth, and it's and coupled with a natural antiseptic properties and anti-inflammatory properties, and it is gentle. It's not going to hurt you. Um, again, here's a quote from Rosemary Gladstar, the author of Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guard. Here's what she says about it. 
calendula is a wonderful herb for babies, being potent as well as soothing gentle. It is one of the most popular herbs for treating cradle cap, diaper rash, and other skin irritations. Calendula tea is a useful remedy for thrush type of yeast overgrowth, not uncommon in infants. So when I say it's gentle, it is gentle. Internally, it boosts the immune and lymph system, fights fungal infection, reduces inflammation, men, uh, women's cramps, menstrual cramps, gastrointestinal, as well as fevers. It's antiviral. One of the quickest and easiest ways to consume it is by making a tea. So you pick the flowers, you dry them out, and you put them in a jar, and then you make a tea in October when you're not feeling well. That's what I wanted to really share with you. So many of these are super easy to find and grow. Put them in a dehydrator or de dehydrate them by hanging them or putting them in your oven. And you have these things on hand to make just into a simple tea. And then when you get your you get a little bit better at it, then start doing your tinctures or, you know, just make some into a tincture and try it out. Some amazing, amazing, amazing um, good things with this. So I'm going to jump over. I'm going to move some papers around here. Oh, by the way, um, want to give an amazing shout out to one of our great sponsors to Gibbs Arms. You always hear um, Glenn talk about they have made the most wonderful adaptation to the AR. Um, and you can check them out at Gibbs Arms. Um, G-I-B-B-Z dot com. They have an awesome YouTube channel that will show you how this works. I, I, if, in case you can't tell, I haven't shot an AR in about three or four years. So I'm not going to butcher um, and insult the firearm community out there. But amazing, amazing um, firearms adaptations, especially for ARs. So you can also find them on our website, prepping2-0.com. And check them out there. So um, one thing I wanted to go on to the next one. And this is one that grows really freely on my property. And it does a lot of people. And that is um, Moulin. Moulin, it looks like it's spelled M-U-L-L-E-I-N. And it looks like Moulin. It's pronounced Moulin. And this is one of those you want to be absolutely certain you know what you're looking at when you look at it. Take your forager's guide that you have for your area and take your plant identifying app with you because sometimes it can look like other things like lamb's ear or something like that there's also a couple of really great i've seen a couple of great youtube videos out there so that you can see the different slight different shape in the leaves different way they grow but it is this fuzzy plant that grow i have it growing all over my property and um it's this these fuzzy leaves so if you've seen lamb's ear they're fuzzy and then um a two-year-old plant suddenly at the end of summer shoots up like this three or four foot tall flowering stalk and the flowers on it mature at different times over the course of the summer and that's where the seeds come from. So what you want to do is when you see them young, and I need to do this here in the next few days, gather and pick some of the young soft leaves. Don't kill the plant, but just, and then you can dry those and now you've got tea. And I'll tell you what's so great about them. And then when the whole plant grows and like it's kind of at the peak of all the things, pull that whole baby up. You can use the roots, the leaves, the stalk, and you can harvest the seeds, the whole nine yards. So again, dry it, grind it up, put it in a jar in a dark place in a cabinet. It is amazing, antibacterial, antiviral, anti-inflammatory antioxidant helps treat pneumonia treat staph infections e coli it's an expectorant it helps you cough relieves asthma treats gout when used as a poultice so if you have gout symptoms like on your feet or extremities there you go antispasmodic meaning it helps suppress muscle spasm Respi uh, helps you spit get rid of mucus in your lungs emollient uh, helps treat again there's that herpes again um, here's a weird one. Helps treat foul, F-O-W-L, plague virus. I have no idea what that is unless it's like an, like a bird flu or something. Sore throat, migraines, gastrointestinal issues. I'm going to say this. When Glenn and I were sick with COVID back, holy buckets, a couple of years ago, one of the things that we drank gallons of was dandelion root tea. And I'll talk about dandelions here in a moment. And mullen tea. 
a lot of it. Why? Because it helps treat pneumonia and lung issues, especially helps regenerate some of those um, cells uh, and helps treat respiratory issues. And, um, and it's an expectorant and it's an anti-inflammatory. Remember, we talked about it um, and on our shows during that time. The thing that gets you with COVID is the inflammation, the out of control inflammation that happens internally. So things like this is a anti-inflammation. And then you think about flus and pandemics and, and 2020. Yeah, anti-inflammatory is kind of a big deal. So I encourage you to, um, if you find some mullein plants and if you know the person who owns the property, um, absolutely check to see if you can harvest them. It's interesting, I saw on social media this morning, somebody said, hey, I see some mullein by the side of a road. Do you think I should harvest it? I'm gonna tell you right now, I wouldn't um, harvest anything by the side of a road and make it into anything at that point. But what I would do with something like that, when that thing goes to seed, I'll take that stock and harvest those seeds in a hot second. So um, find ways to maybe get that on your property. Um, I kind of have a, a bunch of it all over and I, I need to go get some of the young leaves that are coming up and at the end of summer, I'm gonna take down a few of the stalks. So here's another one. And I have, you know, I'm, I've, as always, I have to take this into the, to the after show. Um, this is one that has a fun recipe I found online. Nasturtiums. Nasturtiums are, again, one of these plants that is a great partner plant because it helps keep pests away. I've been told, and, and I don't know if this is true, that they help keep, if you have rabbits, wild rabbits that come and eat your garden, they're good for that. But I go looking other places and it says, nope, they actually attract them. So I don't know. The thing about it is rabbits eat just about anything. So um, they have a peppery taste. They have a beautiful flower, a beautiful wide open flower. And they're a great um, partner plant, a good companion plant to other things. Um, it's got a little bit and it's um, compared to flavors compared to watercress. And it's a little bit stronger than watercress. Makes salads, pesto, greens and super pretty flower. Great companion plant. All righty. What can you use nasturtiums for? It is antibacterial, antifungal, anti, anti, antiseptic, disinfectant, expectorant, wound healer, antimicrobial, and a natural antibiotic. So gosh, nasturtiums would be a great thing to partner with, you know, I don't know, some of these other plants that I've been talking about and making kind of a, a, a blended tea. Here's what's interesting. I talked to you, I mentioned earlier, the YouTube lady, super sweet gal, Rain Country, she has a recipe uh, that where um, it is a tincture where she uses an oil. Um, so she's put um, in this oil. I can't remember what kind of oil she used. I want to say like a coconut oil or an olive oil, whatever. It's an oil. Put it with a bunch of nasturtium leaves, shook it up, blah, 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 extracted it. And had one of her sons, one of her grown sons, major ear infection, like had been bothering him for a couple of weeks. And, and he's like, this is really starting to get to me and it's really starting to hurt. She said, wait a minute, here, try a couple of drops of this. It kicked it in like a day. So again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. But um, nasturtium natural antibiotic. There you go. There's the testimony right there. Um, I would still have gone to a doctor to make sure. But what's nice about oil in that situation, especially in ear stuff, it's, it's got that stickiness to it that'll stick on the skin and it'll help to, and it'll absorb into your skin. There's a whole nother discussion we could have on making salves where you take something like a, a solid oil, like a coconut oil, do an extraction, whether tea or tincture or whatever, and then infuse it into the oil, blah, blah, blah. That's and that's where some of the things that I'm talking about, like the poultices and um, the skin condition, things can be a big help. So nasturtiums, yummy, yummy plant to have in your garden, super pretty. And then when the season is up, pick a, pick a whole you know load of those leaves and flowers, grind them up, and yeah, you've got a pretty powerful little uh, uh, medicine medicinal herb on your shelf that can get get her done. So I encourage you to think about nasturtiums. And we have a few more minutes left. Um, one that I was just looking at this morning, and I have a whole bunch to talk. I asked about two or three more that I want to talk about. Um, catnip. 
So the same thing that and catnip that makes cats go crazy and, and act silly like they've been, you know, taking drugs is actually helps us um, calm down. Catnip, again, it's a it's a it's been called catnip or cat mint. It's a member of the mint family, so it it'll kind of take off on you. Um so it is great for digestive issues, insomnia, anxiety, fevers and colds, wounds. Um, and it's also a great decongestant, not recommended for women who are pregnant because it can actually induce menstruation and you don't want that when you're pregnant. So some really great stuff internally, externally, it's a great bug spray for mosquitoes. So, you know, make a little tea with that, uh, maybe do a decoction with it. So it's a little stronger spray yourself with it. Um, and it is great for digestive issues, specifically like bloating, like you've you're you need to get that air out of you and it's painful. Get the you know, move that air bubble along kind of stuff. So what's interesting about catnip, it's a diaphoretic. What does that mean? That means it makes you it induces sweating, which if you are um, sick and, and you get sick and you develop a fever, your body sweats because it's getting rid of, it wants to sweat out what you have going on. So a diaphoretic makes you sweat without raising your temperature, which is, you know, you can get a fever that can cause you some problems. So um, really great for helping you sweat out what you're fighting without raising your fever, which is kind of nice. So there's some great little, you know, again, 10,000 recipes for every single one of these things out there. Um, but encourage you to look them up. And I have chosen ones, all of these things that I've chosen, um, ladies and gentlemen, I've tried to choose things that are kind of super general. They have multiple uses. There, there are multiple uses in your family and in your medicine cabinet super easy to grow and or find doesn't take you know i'm not gonna i'm not telling you how to make you know a major salve with a two-part um <laughs> decoction to then right i'm not i'm not these are honestly almost all of these a tea or a tincture boom you got it so i've tried to pick out for you super easy ones super common ones ones that grow all over the united states and and super easy to find in a store if you're trying to find seeds um but i also again want to give another shout out that if you want to find some of these seeds um you can go to garden survival seeds you can find them on our friends and affiliates page at prepping2-0.com and they have a medicinal pack that has a lot of these yarrow borage lemon balm um uh, a couple more in there. And then there's some that I, a catnip, catmint. Um, and I'm excited to talk to them again here in a few months when they boosted that um, whole line of products to be even more. So uh, one of the other ones that I'm going to talk about, and I don't want to go into it too much because um, it's going to get a little into the woods because we only have about a minute left. But wanted to just let you know, we're going to talk about dandelions. Oh my gosh, dandelions. Don't spray them until you've picked off some of those yellow flowers. I'm just going to say that right now. There's some pretty amazing things um, that dandelions can do for you. Don't let your kids eat them, uh, you know, if in a public park because you don't know if they've been sprayed. We're also going to talk about chamomile. Chamomile is one of those that there's there's some controversy out there. And there's you've got a couple of choices there. And it's definitely one of those that you do not want to take unless you've checked with a doctor first if you have hay fever we do not want to increase your antihistamine response um, after taking or trying out some of these so folks i really hope this has been helpful to you and um we're going to carry it into the after show but just like we always say um from our founding father benjamin franklin failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.